Hey there, for Milo, I am Preston, and you are listening to Side Gig, the show about what it really takes to start and run a successful side hustle. You know the host of the show, there's Ryan, Ian, and me, Preston. We've all built growing side businesses while thriving at a nine to five desk job, and we wanna help you do the same. Before we jump into this episode today, I wanna share with you quickly another podcast I think you might be interested in. It's called The Mentors, and it's hosted by twin brothers, Sergey and Vadim. And it's a podcast that teaches entrepreneurial concepts with stories from founders and creators. It's incredibly interesting. You should have a listen. Search for The Mentors on Apple Podcasts or visit thementors.co. I won't keep you waiting any longer. Let's dive right into today's conversation. And I'll be back at the end of the show for some parting thoughts. Most people that get in touch with me now, purely because what I present is is logos and um where the kind of low end um, budget comes from is because people don't know how much a logo design costs. So they kind of do a little bit of research online. And um, if, if, you, if you just do a quick Google search, you will actually see that the uh, like first things that kind of come up are the free options or the um, contest sites or um, you know, sites like well, companies are based, um, you know, in third world countries where they are able to do like 10 different logos for maybe um, $50, for example. So when a client gets in touch with you for a logo, for example, but I mean, this could be for anything. If, if you do ask them for some kind of budget, what they're going to do is they go to what they think it should cost. So, in some cases, it is, it is worth bearing in mind that if someone does contact you and they just go, oh, I've got a budget of this, in some cases, they might not actually have any money and they might just be wasting your time. But I think it is worth, um, in, in a few of the cases, if you can actually see that they are serious about their business, sometimes it's worth giving them... Um, a little bit more time and um, talking them through uh, kind of what's out there on the market and the reason why your price is significantly different to the others. So the the way that I I would do this is I would say like a lowballing client would say like Ian, I'm looking for a logo. My budget is fifty pounds. Now, me, my minimum. Um, charge is like at least 10 times that you know it's it's not really um worth it for me at, at the moment to 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 take on anything um but below the 500 pound point and that's based on uh, my my location my experience and the, the the process i take um so what i do is i i always kind of spend time talking through the client what they actually get and i like to explain to them that they're not paying for a logo they're paying for a process to um to get a logo at the end of that and i talk through the different um price price points so i would explain for example at the very low end um you've got sites like fiverr and what they typically do is they spend a very short amount of time on the project um there's no real input from a client all they're doing is just literally plonking something together and put it out there and for some customers um 
like, for example, if it's just someone that just has a blog and they need something to get going, that or the free sites might be okay. So if that is, you know, if that's who this customer is, that's probably what they're interested in. And, and personally, I wouldn't spend too much time on that on that person. But if you can see that they are a serious customer, I would talk through the different options. So I'd go kind of like up to the next price point. So um, there's crowdsourcing sites out there, and um, I'll explain the, 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 the benefits of using them or rather the disadvantages of using them. You know, for example, I, I tend to explain that how much effort is someone going to put into the work if there's one in 99 chance of actually getting paid at the end of it. So I explain it's typically amateurs that will work on these sites. Um, you don't get any interaction with the person that you're working with, so it's not worth investing in that. And then I kind of move on to how I would I differentiate from from these. So it's um it's a one-to-one -one service. So they're able to see what I've actually done on my website. They'll be working directly with me. Um, I'll also explain like my level of experience. Um, I explain like my my passion towards logo design, so I can talk about how I've got a community, how I've got a podcast, how I've been working on this for the last ten years. You know, I'll kind of throw in all these different things that give them um, a lot more um, confident. Because I've I've heard so many people say this, but uh, a customer will pay for the least risky option. Um, so if you're a huge company, you know, if you're someone like Coca Cola. And the um, person working on your logo or branding, screw it up. How much is that worth to them? You know, if 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 it goes wrong, they could lose billions. So, um, someone like Coca Cola, they're going to be prepared to invest millions of pounds because their identity is so um, valuable to them that if it if it's wrong, um they're going to lose a lot of money. So they would go with the company or organization or individual that they believe is the very, very best at that job. So that could be an agency or an individual, most likely an agency, because you know that an agency will source the best people. Um, even if someone's ill, there's always going to be someone on hand. Um, they've got reputation and stuff like that. So as, as a designer or a freelancer, um, a big part of what you need to do is building up authority and credibility and um, presenting yourself in a way so that you look like the safest option at your price point. So I hope that gives a little bit of an idea of how I would deal with it. I don't know if you've got any, you guys have got any questions. Ian, I think you actually bring up a really good point because this is something that I've also experienced a lot too, is that, you know, um, clients come to you by finding you often inbound, right? That's that's kind of your process is that you yeah, have leads coming yeah. to you all the time. And when they see your work, they're like, oh my gosh, I want this. Or, you know, they'll see examples of stuff you've done and they're seeing just the output, right? They're not seeing your entire process as you were talking about. So I think that this is something where with a lot of clients, you can often sort of begin the process of talking to them about what your process of, you know, creating a logo design is actually like. And then you know, some of them will resonate with that and they'll be interested in like, oh, wow, you know, I, I actually do see the value in going through this whole process versus, you know, expecting the, you know, $25 logo from sites like 99designs, right? So I think that when a client lowballs you at first, do not take it personally because it may be out of lack of understanding about the process behind the output that you're going to deliver for them. So 
I think that, you know, it's a way to start the conversation. How do you feel about that? Well, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that because, um, uh, I, I do think it's important on, um, you know, if, if you have a website and, and you're offering any kind of service to actually go through your process. And I know that's something I, um, probably need to do, um, better myself. Um, but yeah, definitely that, that is actually another thing that I do on the phone. I, I, I skipped through, um, in my previous answer, but yeah, talking through the process and, and how it, um, differ so with mine i have what i call a a goal focus process so rather than just creating a pretty picture what a lot of these cheaper solutions do this is something that actually achieves specific goals for their business and actually will actually perform for them so in terms of targeting specific audience and um, competing with competitors and stuff like that and um you know when you when you talk through process like you mentioned they they see the value in it and they understand uh, why why they need to um, invest more and uh, like I said at the beginning when people are approaching you and they are like throwing out these fi this figure um, it doesn't mean that's how much money they have you know if if you're a serious business you've always got more money you know like um, a thousand ten thousand pound you know these companies have these budgets um, I mean, if, if even, even I would say, um, you know, one man band, they probably have some money to invest. So, you know, that 50 pound price, just kind of ignore it and, um, explain through your process. And, uh, like, like you said, Ryan, once they understand what's involved and what they're paying for, that's when they realize, okay, I need to invest more. I'm paying for experience. Uh, I'm paying for the experience. I'm paying for the process. I'm paying for the expertise and the services and everything that comes with this. So I hate to be a bit of a contrarian here, but I, but I, there is, mm -hmm. there is part of this that I really like. And then part of it that I do have a, a little bit of, I guess, issue with being uh, on the side of the client quite frequently myself. Obviously I I'm also on the side of the creative quite often. And, and so I completely understand and have been through everything that you're saying here, but I think I, I I'd like to maybe offer just a little bit slightly different uh, view, not completely different. I think it goes along with a lot of what you've said. And, and here's what it is. Basically, there's this, there's this, uh, pretty well known sort of marketing framework for just promoting anything. And it's called jobs to be done. And basically the, the long and short of it is you hire something for the job that it does, not for the thing that you're buying. So like a common example is if a customer is looking for a three quarters inch uh, drill bit, they don't actually need a three quarters inch drill bit. What they need is a three quarters inch hole. And so I, I do understand why you might say, let's, you know, let's make sure they understand the process and the expertise and all of the things. But in reality, what they're really buying, they're not even buying a logo. They're buying all the other things you said, Ian, which is they're buying a reputation. They're buying respect. They're buying, um, uh, uniqueness, you know, when compared to their competitors, they're buying brand awareness, they're buying like, they're buying the foundation of all of these positive ROI things of their business. And I think, and it, and it has seemed to work most effectively for me when I take it from that approach. And instead of saying, well, you have to pay me 10 times your, your initial budget because I have expertise or because you know, my process is amazing. Instead, you say, you, 
this costs 10 times what you expected because here's what it actually gets you. It's not just a, a pretty image, you know, on a piece of paper. It's it's your brand and it's what how people perceive you and it's more customers for you and it's better high paying customers for you and sort of all of these pieces that come out of, you know, in this instance, for example, a logo. And I think that's a good example of framing, right? fully explaining what you get as a result of your service. And, and Ian, you know, something that you and I were talking about actually right before we hopped on is, is this concept of anchoring. So I would love to hear your take on, on how to use anchoring to sort of direct people towards the price that you want them to hire you at. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, I mean, the, the concept of anchoring, I, I, um, heard it from, uh, Blair N's, um, book. He's, he's got a, a book that's just come out called, uh, Pricing Creativity. And, um, it's very expensive. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's a book that's uh, $200. Um, but it's ironic, <laughs> but it's a very, very good book and one of the best books I wrote. Ah, but compared to a $500 book, it's very affordable. <laughs> um, so within, within the book, um, Blair, he talks about uh, an anchor. So he basically would say offers options. So the, the reason why you need options, because when you give one, um, flat cost, people want something to compare it with. So what they do is if you just give them one cost, they will look around and see what, what else is, is out there. But instead he recommends to do three prices, one, which is, um, pretty much all the bells and whistles, like, um, you know, uh, kind of maxing out their absolute budget, middle price, and then a lower price, which has nothing in it. And the idea is to go for the middle one. But to answer uh, Ryan's question, the idea of an anchor is to um, put a high price out there so that they have something to compare what you actually want them to go with. And um, I was explaining to Ryan earlier that um, Christo, he does this quite well. I, he, he'll actually announce to everyone that he charges $1,000 an hour if anyone wants consulting. And then a few months later, he released a training course, which is $3,000. And for that, you get like a six-week training course. And, um, you know, obviously $3,000 is a lot of money. And, um, you know, people will start talking about it online, but they, everyone starts going, oh yeah, but he charges a thousand dollars an hour. That's what the anchor is for. The, the anchor is not for people to buy is to kind of have something to, um, compare with. And, um, in Blair's book, he explains that, um, a lot of these, um, kind of a high-end fashion stores do this. So when you walk in, the the most prominent thing that you will see might be like a um a really nice t-shirt and you look at the label and it's like five hundred dollars. And that that's designed to kind of set your expectations and to anchor you to like the highest possible price that things could be. And then as you start going through the shop, everything else is suddenly much cheaper but compared to other shops, it's more expensive. So the anchor is, is designed to kind of set expectations for, you know, the, the price of it. So yeah, with the, with the three options, you have the anchor, which is not intended to be bought. It's just there to kind of go, this is what you get. If you spend this much money, you have the one in the middle that you actually want to want them to go with. And then you have the, um, the, the cheapest one, which has the bare minimum in it that, sounds rubbish and what you want them to go for is that um middle one but yeah there's so much in blair's um book is it's 
probably the best book that I read so far this year and I only read like one chapter of it um, but it's I, I just can't recommend it enough it's an absolutely fantastic book I like that Hey everyone, it's Preston here with a quick interruption to tell you about this insanely cool company called Ecosia. With Ecosia, you can literally plant trees while you search the web. See, they use over 80% of their profits to plant trees around the world. They plant in hotspots around the globe where the value will be greatest for the environment and the communities living there. Plus, Ecosia is a privacy-friendly search engine. They believe that an individual's personal data, including their search queries, are their own business and no one else's. You can learn more at ecosia.co slash sidegig that's e-c-o-s-i-a dot c-o slash sidegig today's episode is sponsored by dot tech domains finding a short memorable and creative domain is no longer a hassle with the dot tech domain extension in fact dot tech is short easy to remember and it's one of the hottest new trends among big and small brands around the world for example ces the world famous consumer electronics show recently moved from .org to .tech to give their brand that extra bit of relevance. Leading startups are using .tech too, raising millions in funding and building the future on .tech domains. If you're looking to start something of your own, use a .tech domain to create a strong brand. Save a whopping 90% on one-year and five-year registrations by visiting get.tech and using promo code MILLO, that's G-E-T T-E-C-H, and promo code M-I-L-L-O. And now, back to the show. I want to actually approach this question, uh, if you guys don't mind, I want to approach this question from a different angle because I think, you know, we're, we're speaking often here to people that are freelancing on the side of their day jobs, right? Which means that time yes. is a very precious resource. And for me, what that means is that when I get super lowballed and, and speaking to my own business, right? Doing freelance content marketing on the side of my job as a content marketer. Um, when I get a client that reaches out to me again, almost all of my leads are inbound. I don't do any really outbound outreach to, to go and proactively pitch my services. So when I have someone who reaches out to me that wants to work with me and it's a crazy low ball offer, you know, nowhere near the kinds of price points that I state clearly on my website, which is a whole nother topic. Um, but when I have someone who lowballs me, I'll, I'll respond to their email. I'll say, Hey, you know, I'm not currently taking projects under X dollar amounts. Um, because my time is very limited. Um, you know, if you're willing to consider going up, um, from your current budget, then I'd love to talk with you about all the different services that I'm offering and the results that I can promise you, um, as a result of hiring me to help out. So I think that in the context of running a side project, um, you really only have X number of hours per week that you can allocate towards it. So I don't think you should take prices that are way below what you want. Okay, but I have to back up to so Ryan, you know, you've been you've been doing side hustles or freelancing for I mean, how long? A few years now, at least. Um, mm -hmm. but we've we've all kind of been doing that, and I think it can be easy to forget in the very early days when all you want to do is get off the ground in any way. Uh, with a side hustle, you know, do you turn down lowballing clients when you when you don't have any clients as a side hustle? I would argue that that kind of depends on where you're at, right? If you have the the skills, the expertise that you feel justifies a higher rate than you're being offered, um, I think it's okay to hold out. I mean, it's also sort of a question of how much do you need the income today versus potentially more tomorrow if you're willing 
to put in the work and go out and pitch people at the price that you do want to charge. Yeah, I think that's an important distinction between inbound and outbound, right? Like if you're getting inbound, if you're getting, you know, a dozen inquiries a day, then obviously there's, there's always more coming tomorrow. If you're, if you're going outbound and someone lowballs you and, and it took you 50 pitches or a hundred pitches to get one offer and it's a lowball, maybe you take it. I, I, I think, I guess here's my biggest fear is that like someone who's brand new to side hustling or maybe has been at it for three or six months, here's our conversation. And they're like, Oh, screw that. I'm going to, 10 times my rate and I'm not going to accept anyone below that. And then you create a little bit of a problem because the whole point of the side hustle is to bring in extra income. Like it's, it's a different question than if you're doing it full time and, and you have to scale your business and et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes the side hustle is just about getting extra money in the door so that you can have more autonomy. You can have uh, less dependability on your day job and things like that. And I, I guess I just worry that, I, I hear these kinds of conversations all the time and I always worry that people take them way too literally and just say, I'll forget it. I'm never going to let anyone lowball me ever again. And I'm, I'm not sure that's how it works. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I would, I would actually say that, um, when I, when I first started out, my prices were really low. And the reason for that is because I kind of treated it as a hobby. I mean, my, um, day job bought in enough money so the side gig if someone was happy to pay me a hundred pounds even if it took me the entire week i was pretty um happy with that uh with that figure so i i i do think you're um right but likewise um i i do think there are obviously ways of of being increasing um those prices i know in my case i'm i'm in the lucky situation where i have quite a lot of um inbound leads coming in uh so you know if if you can imagine if you are getting like 20 30 a week for example um quite a few of them would be label and uh if if i can see that it's just not worth my time i would just brush it off but some people might appreciate that so the way that i've always looked at it is that um i've worked out like the minimum that i would like to bring in and I've worked out like um, the the costs I want to cover and everything like that, and worked out kind of like the absolute minimum that I would take on. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a really it's a it's a questionable one because it it depends on the individual. Like if if they are happy to take on that project and just get that little bit of extra money, then it's okay. But um, I wouldn't mind talking a little bit more about value-based pricing as part of this as well, because I think some of those people are potentially just taking advantage of that person. Um, and, uh, you know, a, a lot of the time that person that does have that small amount of money, you can normally get more out of them. So it's, it's a really questionable one. And I think it, it depends on the individual and the potential client as well. So I, I'm not sure how to answer that. And I'm not advocating for not charging what you're worth. You know, I'm a huge proponent of making mm -hmm. sure you charge what you're worth. I think that's extremely important. I guess, I guess all I want to do is make sure that anyone listening who's considering, you know, well, Ian says he charges 10 times, you know, what, what uh, sometimes it's, it's more than that now, to be honest. But I mean, the, as a, as a minimum, like if, if someone, if someone approached me, you know, and they just got 50 pounds, 
and they're a small startup, it's not worth trying to pitch them something that's um, 10, 20 times their figure. They're, they're just not going to go, or that I believe that they're unlikely to go for that. So it's, it is a conversation, but I totally understand what you're saying with this. I think it's I just want to make sure people see that that can be a stepping stone to mm -hmm. the bigger projects. Mm -hmm. If you need to build your portfolio, if you need to get experience working with clients, if you just need 50 extra bucks this week, then like maybe that's, I mean, you know, if, if, if $50 this week means you can reach some goal, like paying your water bill without dipping into your salary mm -hmm. like that that's a legitimate thing that people try to do right they start by paying mm -hmm. their electric bill and then they pay their mortgage and then they whatever save for a vacation all on their side hustle money i just want to make sure that we're 100 percent clear that yes you there's a point you want to get to eventually where you're charging as much as you possibly can although i'd say ian you haven't even reached that point yet right i mean in our conversations you still feel like with maybe some adjustments on your brand or 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 other things systems yeah, I, and that sort of thing I, you could charge more i feel like it's i feel like it's an interesting one and i i don't think there is necessarily a ceiling but yeah i i feel like i'm undercharging and um, I, I know I can charge more, but there are things I want to do to change that. And, um, obviously it's partly down to the client and my sales process and stuff like that, but I'm learning a lot to, to, um, to increase that. And I, I can actually talk through one of the, um, things I've been thinking about if you want to. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to hear what you're working on. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I've been reading Blair and, um, pricing book and, um, he talks about, um, like the, a conversation that you, sh you should have with the client. And I'm just, I'm still trying to work out how it will fit into my um, business, but he will say, for example, if, if, if a company comes to you and they have a problem, um, what he will do is ask something along the lines of how much is this worth to you? If we could guarantee 100% that we could solve this problem. Like, would you, um, something along the lines of if you could make a million pounds and we could guarantee that, and would you invest half a million pounds for us to fix that problem for you? And obviously most businesses with any common sense will say yes. Yes. In a heartbeat. So that kind of sets, it sets the, the expectation that, you know, if you could solve it, they are prepared, you know, the absolute limit that they would be prepared to pay for it, pay for it. So in this case, they could potentially want to invest half a million pounds in it. And I mean, um, obviously you, you don't go in with that, but how he solves it is with the three prices I, I mentioned. So the three different things. So the highest one, so the one that would be maybe quarter of a million in the, in this example, he would list down absolutely everything that they would need to do in order to solve that problem. And then he would do something in the middle and then a lower end that's just got all of the basics. So um, these three different options are kind of what you need to go for. And uh, you have to be able to solve the problem. And one of the challenges I have at the moment is that logo design on its own doesn't really solve a specific problem that that you can monetize, but something like a website or a brand identity can, um, because you can, you can ask the questions like, um, how much would it be worth to you if, if we could in, 
you know, if you could have the brand of your dreams, you know, how, how would that impact your business? Um, because I, I've, I've heard a lot about value-based pricing in, in the past and I've never really understood it. But when people are talking about value, value is broken down into different areas. And sometimes it's, it's, um, very subjective and, um, uh, personal to that individual. Um, so that's kind of what you're tapping into, but I, I just, I, I like the concept of, um, seeing how the service that you offer actually fulfills specific goals. And if you can, uh, work out exactly what that is and add some kind of monetary value to it, that's how you break people in to start budgeting for it. So for that example, um, with the million pounds, if you know that they're prepared to invest half a million pounds in it, you know that they have money. So it's, it's an interesting one. And, um, I'm still trying to work out how to implement that concept into my, into my business. But, um, yeah, it's what I'm working on at the moment, to be honest. This is really interesting where this conversation has gone. I, I really like this. And I think that to, to kind of pull out one of the common themes too, is that this all depends on your goals, right? The, the price points that you choose to accept kind of depend upon what your goal is at the time. Do you need the money now? Do you need the portfolio example? Like all these things should go into the decision-making process on what your line is for a uh, price point that you accept. And I think another way to kind of um, approach this question too, is that Okay, if if you've decided that the you know fifty pounds fifty dollars is below what you should accept, do something about that. Like, don't just sit there and try and convert the fifty dollar lead into a five hundred dollar project. Like, go go start reaching out to companies, potential clients that look like they could afford the five hundred dollars, and and make a difference with that. There it is. A big thanks to Ryan and Ian for their help with today's episode. Be sure to check out their podcasts in the show notes of this episode as well. Before we jump off the air, remember to visit sidegigshow.com where you can subscribe to receive regular updates about the show and other podcasts by Milo as well. Sidegig is a production of Milo. You can learn more about us and listen to our other podcasts at millo.co. This show was edited by the very talented Danny Gilman at echopodmedia.com. Thanks, Danny. Keep hustling, everybody, and we will see you in the next episode of Sidegig. Gig.